Well, thanks, guys. It's a real pleasure to be with you again this morning. Uh, thank you for the team who uh, sung so well for us and uh, Laurel, who's done MC. Uh, it really is a team effort as we all come together. And there's a whole bunch of people that you can't see behind the scenes that are doing countless hours of uh, editing and joining together and overlaying uh, the text that you see on here. Uh, I want to say thank you to all those people who are working so very, very hard to help us put together our church service online. Uh, my name is Todd Hall. I'm the lead pastor of Exchange, and it's a real joy to be the lead pastor pastor of exchange is we seek to be a community of believers loving and serving Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit with the truth of the gospel here in the greater Shepherd and Goulburn Valley region and beyond into the uttermost parts of the world as well as we try and support uh, missionaries who are doing uh, God's work overseas as well. Uh, today we've been going through, sorry not today but the last few months we've been going through the book of Colossians and uh, we are going to go through that again this morning up to the next section of our uh, book. Uh, before we get there, uh, I want you to consider this situation with me. The doorbell rings and you walk over to the door to answer it. And what you find, there are two well-dressed people telling you about the problems of this world and offering a solution for a better life. Uh, they're lovely people. They seem so kind and polite. And what they're saying seems to make sense. And their magazine mentions about God and mentions about Jesus. And it all seems so plausible to some extent. But as you read, it's also saying that uh, it's saying that you need something extra other than Jesus. You feel as though something's not quite right when you're reading through this literature. But at the same time, these people seem so reasonable. Well, here's the position we're going to find in the book of Colossians today, as Paul is dealing with them and false teachers bringing in some ideas that are sort of mixing the idea of God and Jesus into the truth, but uh, they're mixing these other things in as well. So join with me as we read this passage today from a second, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through to verse 23. Therefore, as you've received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority." In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you were who were dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up with reason, without reason by his sensual mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows 
with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that, are all, that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning that we can come together as the church. Uh, Lord, distance, but yet together by the medium of uh, the internet. So Lord, I thank you now that your word has been given to us uh, through Paul to the Colossians and inspired by your spirit. We ask now, Holy Spirit, please open up our hearts to see that all we need is Jesus. We don't need anything else other than Jesus. He is our righteousness. He is our perfection. He is our right standing in this world before you. So, Father, today I pray, please let your word bless our hearts and grow us in Christ as we come together now around this word. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, as Paul writes this letter here to the Colossians, he now moves into another stage of writing. Uh, He's just spoken about his toil and his struggles here to help the Colossians grow in their maturity in the gospel, as we saw that last week, and to do this focused on Jesus alone. Now Paul moves to the Colossians to, as it were, walk out or live out their maturing faith based entirely on Christ. For Paul, it's a call to action. It's to put your faith into practice. It's to put into place what you have learned. Begin, Paul would say, to begin to be discerning about what you've learned in Christ and apply that knowledge uh, to your life. Here's our big idea today as we think about this passage. Uh, It's this. Because I made whole and complete in Jesus Christ, I'm free to live for him as my Lord, not to be enslaved to the world's false constraints that are around about me. I'm complete in Christ. I'm free to now live for him. Okay, let's jump and have a look at it here. Uh, First of all, let's look in verses 6 and 7, where Paul actually tells these Corinthians here, walk in Christ. Verses 6 and 7 again. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This, therefore, actually keys off what Paul's just been talking about through chapters uh, 1 and a bit of the start of chapter 2 as well. What's happened then when we've received Christ Jesus the Lord? As Paul says there, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, how do you receive Jesus? What does that mean? (coughs) Pardon me. To receive Jesus is to acknowledge him in truth as the Son of God, sent to rescue us and save us by his death on the cross. To receive Jesus, is it is to hear the good news of the gospel and to believe it. We put our trust in Jesus' death for the payment of our sin. We believe that he rose again from the grave, and that too will be our resurrection as well, that we too will rise from the grave to live forever with him. But notice this. But notice what also Paul writes here for these Colossians. He says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. It's a big difference what Paul puts on the end there. Jesus is our Saviour, but he's not only our Saviour, he's also our Lord. That's a big call there he's putting out to us. See, when we call Jesus our Lord... That adds a whole other dimension to the relationship that we have with Jesus. 
He's our saviour, but he's also our Lord. When we call Jesus our Lord, that means that we are recognising him, Jesus, as our sovereign, as our king, knowing that Jesus has been given that position to be our ruler. Now, this becomes really important for the Colossians and us today as well, as we consider this passage. Because if we say that Jesus is Lord and we mean that, if we say that and we mean it, then we must also say this, that we will obey what Jesus teaches us and live it out to the best of our ability. Why? Because he is our Lord. You see, what the, Colossi- what the Colossians, not the Colossians, what the Colossians are hearing is something different to what Jesus has said and taught. So Paul is now taking them back, as it were, to the gospel to get their belief right and to get their living right. Paul is showing them that they are anchored in Christ. Look in verse 7 there what he says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, Paul saying, and they do this abounding with thanksgiving. So Paul's bringing them back to the gospel. He says, just as you received Jesus as Lord, so now walk in him. He's your Lord. So now walk in him as your Lord. They're facing a few challenges, though, as we see in the book of Colossians here. Um, Paul, in a sense, is saying, don't walk in the way of this world. And we see a picture of that there in verses 8 and also verses 16 through 23, where these challenges that they're facing is, is different to what they've heard from Paul previously or from Epaphras, Paul's protege there. They're now being challenged. Look in verse 8 and see what it says. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. The Colossians are facing people who are trying to influence them with ideas and teachings that aren't based in the gospel. Paul is saying here in this sense, don't be taken captive to these false ideas. Don't be enslaved, as it were, or don't be held hostage to this false thinking. See to it, no one takes you captive. The picture that Paul gives here is this, that these ideas are coming upon the Colossians, and as it were, it's binding them up. It's actually sort of enslaving them. It's taking them captive. These extra ideas, these extra things that they're hearing, are set in such a way by these false teachers or these people influencing them, then set in such a way that this is what you need to do Follow our extra instruction. This is what you need to do to really get close to God. You need to do these things. If you follow our instructions, this will lead you into a deeper knowledge and the secret wisdom of God. This will unlock for you new powers found in God. If you just follow these secret paths, these secret instructions that we're giving you. So instead of them feeling free in Christ and what he's done for them in, in the Colossians perspective, they're now feeling squeezed into a difficult place or a tight place. It's a bit like Jesus plus something else gets me to God. And this is the challenge they're facing. And all of these ideas here are man-made philosophies and they're according to human traditions and ideas. And in verses 16 to 23, as Paul given the warning, he begins to open up what these look like here as he looks at these various challenges they're facing. Verse 16. Uh, these guys are getting hauled over the coals for not observing the cultural traditions. One of them there is the Sabbath. 
Now, we're not going to go into detailed teaching today of the Sabbath. There's quite a bit we could say, but not today. But this was one point, particularly here, that Jesus clashed with the Pharisees while he was here on earth. Time and time again, the Pharisees pressed hard upon Jesus, particularly around the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath and the Pharisees that they had going was one that was bound up with a whole bunch of rules of what you could do and what you couldn't do. They had made a whole range of things. There were certain journeys that you couldn't undertake on the Sabbath because it was deemed to be work. So they had a whole bunch of rules around the Sabbath. Now, Jesus' whole point with the Sabbath is really about a principle. For him, it's not about a whole set of rules. It's about the principle of rest. The Sabbath was a day of rest. Now, we don't know for sure, but maybe there was an influence here of Jewish tradition being pressed upon the Colossians here, particularly around the Sabbath. That unless you follow the Sabbath to the letter of the law, you can never please God or get to God. Just trying to add something extra, plus Jesus, to get to God. In verse 18, we see something else here that's happening with the Colossians. We see other people here in their lives influencing them about ascetism or worshipping angels and talking about detailed visions there in verse 18. So they're telling the Colossians, these people here, with ascetism, that is, you need to have practice self-denial in your life, with your body. That is to deprive your body of food and other things. It's like this really uh, intense self-denial. If you can get yourself into this place of self-denial and rid yourself of all these things, you'll get closer to God. That was being added to them here. It's Jesus plus self-denial. Colossians also, they were told this, you need to worship angels. They're like a go-between here with you and God. These angels, you need to worship these angels. They'll, They'll bring you a deeper connection with God. Get in touch with these angels and they'll lead you into these secret paths and secret wisdom here about going deeper with God. Also, the Colossians are being told this. They're being told about visions that people have had. God has given me a vision. And it's for the church to follow what I've seen in this vision. You need to follow the instructions that God's so carefully given to me through this vision. These are some of the things that are troubling here the Colossians uh, in this church at this particular time. Now, let me just make a few comments here about these things, because it certainly begs us to do that. Now, I don't doubt the reality of angels. Absolutely, angels are real, real, and I'm convinced that they are carrying out God's purposes in some ways around the earth. We don't see them as these sort of winged creatures doing their thing, but I'm convinced the Bible tells us that angels do do some things. But nowhere, nowhere in the Bible are we told to worship angels. Nowhere are we told to worship angels in the Bible. In fact, in Revelation chapter 19, a beautiful uh, revelation that John has given of Jesus Christ in the end times, John falls down in chapter 19 to worship an angel. And the angel responds there, you must not do that. Don't do that. We worship God. So we are told nowhere to worship angels. We are to worship God. Now, I also believe that God can and does give on occasion some visions to people. Totally believe that. Totally believe that. But how we handle those visions is really, really important because those sorts of things, a vision, are incredibly subjective. Incredibly subjective. 
You see, what's happening in our lives all the time is there's a whole range of things going on in and around our minds. We are being influenced from many, many quarters. What we read in magazines, what we read in books, what we see on TV, what we hear on, see on YouTube, or what we hear with having conversations with other people. There's a whole myriad of things that are actually in our mind all the time and contributing to the way we think and forming ideas in our minds. And it would not be uncommon at all to have a dream or a vision about something when that's happening. When all these thoughts are up there and they're doing things and we're forming ideas, and form, it would not be uncommon, as it were, to have an imagination or have a vision or have a dream of some sort. But, but, it's a whole level again to give that dream or that vision a sense of authority. And what do I mean when I say that? It's like this. God's given me a vision. The moment you say God's given me a vision, you're giving that vision like a whole sense of authority. God said it, so we must obey it. Let me say this. It's completely unwise to make a dream or vision have some sort of authority over what we do or what we say. It's very subjective. So we don't do that. Look at what else here Paul says about the Colossians in verse 23 as he sort of summarizes all those things he's spoken there. He says this in verse 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They appear like something wise, like self-denial of the body and, and angels are like spiritual beings and visions are like some sort of spiritual thing that's happened to me. They appear like it's something wise, but Paul says it's of no value to living a holy life in doing battle with our sinful flesh. It's of no value. We don't need to add anything else to Christ. See, Paul's telling the Colossians this, when you put your focus Shift your focus from Christ alone to Christ plus these other things like self-denial, like worshipping angels, uh, like visions, and all these other false influences that could be coming into your mind from this world. Paul's saying you're losing it. You're losing it. You're losing your grip on what is the central focus of what our Christian life is all about. And when you do that, you'll become enslaved to these things. They will bind you up. You'll forever have to meet their rules. And they will not save you and they will not lead you to Christ if you put your focus on those things. So how does Paul so confidently tell the Colossians these things? How can he so confidently come out and say, don't pay any attention to those things. Don't go near those things. There's great confidence here with Paul and he does this. You see, Paul knows that we have been completed or made whole by Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. Have a look with me in verses 9 and 10. It says this, For in him, so he's talking Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him. That's a really big statement that Paul's making there. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. What's Paul saying here when he says that? Filled in him. Christ is mine. All that Christ is, he has given to me. What does that mean? God sees me as complete. God sees me as whole. God sees me as he sees Christ. 
I don't need anything else other than Jesus. Christ is mine. I am filled in him. That is a really big statement here. I just now need to live out what Jesus has called me to live to. Now, Paul goes on to say, backs this up by saying, this is what Jesus has done on our behalf. And we are filled in him. Look in verse 11 here with what he says. They're telling you that you need to be circumcised, Colossians. Again, you've got to go back to this tradition. and You've got to be circumcised. It's the only way you can get near God. Paul's saying, it's already happened. It's already happened. Jesus has stepped in in a very real way and cut away our dead flesh of works. Cut away from us the, the, the flesh of works. And in verse 12 here it says it's symbolized very powerfully by baptism. What happens there is when you go down into the waters of baptism, it symbolizes your dying with Christ to your old life. It's like a, an identification now with Jesus. And as we come up out of the waters, it powerfully symbolizes that we're rising to new life in Christ. You don't have to redo this again, Paul's saying, to find your way to God. We don't have to go through all of that again. What Jesus has done is enough. It's complete. And I'm filled in him. And in verses 14, 13 and 14, again, he says about the victory and the new life that God gives us through Christ. In verse 13, it says this. Yes, you were dead in your sins, completely unable to do anything to come to God, dead in your trespasses and sins. But look at what Jesus has done. He's now made you alive in God to himself, through himself, forgiving us of all of our sins before God. Jesus has achieved that victory for us. How has he done that? Well, Paul goes on in verse 14 to show us how he's done that. Jesus has paid the full price of our sin at the cross. What's he done? He's cancelled the debt. That word cancelled there means paid in full, completely removed, no longer held against us. The debt is wiped off the books. It's no longer there. In Christ, God no longer holds those sins against us. At one stage, they were a ledger, like a legal thing there. You have sinned against you, you have broken God's law. Christ comes and cancels that and takes it all away. That's exactly what he's done. And never to be brought up again. All of our sins, past, present and future, are done with, cancelled at the cross by the finished work of Jesus at the cross. Let's summarise here what Paul is saying. Colossians. Everything that these false teachers are trying to influence you with will only enslave you. It will only take you captive and it will be to the minds of their own thinking, not to the gospel. This will not help you, Colossians. These are philosophies and they're ideas made up in people's minds that sound okay but are false and they will not help you. Everything you need is found in Christ, he says. And this is where Paul is going right to the heart of the Colossians. He wants to get them to see Jesus and nothing else for their salvation because they need nothing else. Paul's saying, look no further than Christ. He is the way to God. And between verses 6 and 15, Paul, as it were, makes this really clear statement here by actually mentioning eight times, trying to actually get this into the mind of the Colossians and hopefully us today as well, eight times in Christ or in him. You'll see it there as you read carefully, carefully through. You see, in Christ, in Christ, in him, in him, in him. 
Paul is making this solid point here for the Colossians and us, and it's this. Find your identity and acceptance before God in Jesus Christ and not in yourself or your achievements. Don't think that you can come to God and present yourself as righteous in yourself and all of your achievements and somehow God will accept you. Paul is saying it's in him. Christ is all you need. Now live your life from that safe foundation. So as we think about that today, that's what Paul's communicating here to the Colossians through that uh, section we just looked at. Where do we sit with that ourselves, 2020? Well, we're no different to the Colossians in many respects. No different. We too are looking for guidance in life, for the big questions of life, like how do I get to God? I believe he's out there, but and there's got to be a bigger picture to everything I can see. But how do I know God and how do I get to him? How do I get close to God? Now, maybe you're joining us for the first time here at Exchange Online. Fantastic. We love to have new people and we welcome new people to come and join with us. We want to teach you and show you how you get to God. And obviously, it's through Jesus. Maybe, like at the start of my talk here, maybe you've had somebody come knocking on your door to talk about a better way of life. Maybe they've offered you a Watchtower magazine to go and read. Or someone else has come to your door. Maybe it's people wearing white shirts and black ties. And they offer you literature and stuff to read as well. Yep, you're right. We've probably all had that. Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons. Generally, very lovely people. Very kind and pleasant to talk to. Great people to talk to. Very polite. And they give this info that has Jesus in there. And it's got Bible verses there as well. And it seems to make sense because they offer a better life and they offer an afterlife as well. But what do you find as you make some investigations into what they're saying? When I read their literature, it's saying that salvation is this. Jesus plus something else equals salvation. It's not Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus something else equals salvation. It's Jesus plus join their church. It's Jesus plus do their designated works. It's Jesus plus follow their rules and traditions. And if you do all that Jesus plus stuff, then you may have a, get, you may have a chance of getting to God, but you can never be really sure of that in that sense. Or this may happen. You may hear the teachings of some Eastern mystic guru somewhere on the web, and there's plenty of them out there. You can search them on YouTube and get them real quick. And what's he doing? He's advocating some sort of deep, intense self-denial about going deep within yourself to find this inner peace, to dig up all these demons, as it were, and to get rid of them out of your life through this intense self-denial and cleansing process, as it were. And then he says, practice love. Practice kindness and practice generosity and do this every day. And then he says, if you can follow that path, if you can keep yourself on that path, paradise awaits you at the other end of that path. What are all those things? What are those cults? What are those Eastern mystic gurus all about? They are nothing short of the ideas and traditions of humanity. They're not founded on the gospel at all, even if they have the words of God and Jesus in there. They're not built on the gospel. They appear wise. They appear plausible or reasonable. But ultimately, they are no help at all to us in the end. They fail. They're destined to fail. They cannot deliver what they falsely promise. You see, Paul points us 
to Christ alone. You need not do anything else for salvation than to receive him as Savior and as Lord. Jesus has done all you or I need to do. He's done it for us. Paul points us back to Christ, the finished work of Jesus at the cross. I'm in Christ. His perfect right life covers me now. Now, how do we know all this as we think about that today? Paul's pointing us back to the gospel. Whenever we are given another way to find God, and we're told we need to somehow pay for our past sins in some other possible way, if somebody ever comes to the door knocking on there and telling us there's another way, it's an easier way perhaps, or if we hear something on the internet or read something in a book, Paul's reminding us, go back to the gospel. Go back and remind ourselves again of what Jesus has done. You see, whatever we hear or whatever we read, it needs to measure up against the gospel. It needs to measure up against what the Bible says. Does this person or this group's teachings line up with the gospel? Would the Bible back up what they're saying? And if it doesn't, throw it out. Don't believe it. Don't accept it. Why? Because in Christ and Christ alone, we are complete. We are made whole. That's precisely how God sees us in Christ. Now, as Paul tells us in this passage here in Colossians, as you've received Christ, now go walk it out. Keep your focus on the finished work of Christ and now go walk out your faith. Now, we're going to see more of this in the next couple of weeks as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning that we can come now and we can open up your word again. Thank you, Lord, as Paul is dealing with these false teachers and false ideas in Colossae, uh, trying to bring all these other things in with Jesus plus this equals salvation or Jesus plus this equals a deeper walk uh, with you, Lord. Uh, Father, we thank you today that we need nothing else other than Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for that. Please help us to keep our focus on what Christ has done that he would guide and lead us through every situation and circumstance of life. So when things are presented to us, ideas or traditions or a new way or something else, a vision or whatever it might be, I pray God, please, keep our hearts fixed on Christ that we will discern what is false by knowing what the truth is and that we are absolutely filled in Christ and we have all that we need. Lord, today, thank you for this and I pray let your spirit work it deep in our hearts now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining with us today. We would love to connect with you. Uh, we would love for you to uh, make connection with us. If you could just see on the bottom of the screen there now, it says info at exchangechurch.org.au. Please drop us a line. We will respond to you. And we would love to uh, just have a conversation with you, to hear the story of your life and share with you the story of Christ and how the gospels transformed our lives. So please do that if you, if you uh, feel free to. Uh, we're going to throw over to Caleb now, who's going to lead us around the Lord's table as uh, we finish off. Thank you.